0: Nailer's Natter, just talking to teachers.
1: Talking to teachers about academic research and evidence-based practice with continuing professional development, at PNA1977 on Twitter.
0: Nailer's Natter, just talking to
1: teachers. Hello and welcome to Season 2, Episode 4 of Nailer's Natter. This week I'm joined by Blackpool Research School Director Mr Simon Cox as my co-host and we are both nattering to Professor Daniel Mers. Now listeners will be aware that Professor Daniel Mers is the Deputy Director, Research and Evaluation at Ofsted. Prior to this current role Daniel was Professor of Education at the University of Southampton. He's also previously worked as Professor of Pedagogy and Teacher Development at the University of Manchester. And Daniel is an acknowledged expert in the fields of teacher effectiveness, quantitative research methods and is published widely in those areas. So the timing of this podcast is very apt to be released in the week of the launch of the new Ofsted Education Inspection Framework. We asked Daniel about how the framework has been informed by evidence that has emerged from research into educational effectiveness and we discuss how the research commentary published alongside the consultation shows where the proposed inspection arrangements draw on the research carried out by Ofsted and where they draw on the existing research literature. So this is a really interesting interview with myself, Simon Cox, and Professor Daniel (laughs) Murs. Okay, hello Daniel and welcome to the podcast. Hello. Okay, so the first question, and I'm still persisting with the X Factor question here. So, could you tell us about your journey to this point and how you've become the Deputy Director of Ofsted?
2: Okay, so um, obviously, originally I'm from um, Belgium, as you probably hear that from my accent, um, and I came to England quite a while ago now as. Um, a researcher working in School of Education at Newcastle University and from there I kind of spent most of my time since I've been in England in uh, academia, working in universities, first um, a research assistant, then a lecturer, professor and then um, last year, um, after the um, Spielman took over as Chief Inspector at Ofsted, um, I saw the um, Post um, advertised um, initially as um, head of research, and I thought I've spent a lot of time kind of saying, "Oh yeah, um, those us to do research. We really should uh, try to engage with policy and practice and make sure that we've got an impact." I thought, well, this is uh, kind of my opportunity to actually have that impact uh, to. Uh, stuff that's going to make a real difference to the system and as I was very um, impressed with the direction that Amanda was taking Ofsted in so um, that's really um, why, I've joined, why I have joined Ofsted. Um, obviously there's been a big, big push on research and evaluation of Ofsted and, um, and that's been kind of really interesting so the opportunity to kind of set up um research team and programme um, Influence things like education inspection framework. Um, that's been really exciting. So that's really
1: where I'm coming Fantastic, thank you. Um, in terms of the questions that we've been asking, this podcast is very much about trying to raise, you know, teachers' research literacy and what kind of papers we are looking at. Reading and, and, and how we influence that. So, is there any particular papers that you, I know that obviously you read a lot of these and you've written quite a few yourself as well, is there any ones that you'd particularly steer listeners towards?
2: Okay, um, yeah, so um, where I'm kind of coming from is I guess when I started to first to look at um, research in um, teaching and education. Um, the first thing I noticed was that there was kind of a lot of stuff that wasn't particularly helpful in terms of either research methodology not being very strong um, or kind of being a lot of stuff about um, mm-hmm. how everything is different and everyone is different therefore we can't really come to any good principles. So the first kind of bits of research we got really excited about were the ones From teacher effectiveness research, where people actually try to have a look at, okay, what is the relationship between what teachers do in the classroom and what students actually learn, and um, that that's got quite a long history, um, going back to kind of uh, the late 1960s, and um, when you kind of distill we've come out with a lot of the research that's led to say um, things like direct instruction approaches. So one paper that summarises that research very well, it's a very well-known one, but I think it's always worth highlighting is um, Rosenstein's Principles of Instruction Paper published in American Educator. Um, So definitely I would recommend looking at that one. Um, If you want a bit more care of the background to how this kind of teacher effectiveness research is done. Then, um, Brophy and Good have written an uh, interesting paper on teacher behavior and student achievements. Quite old now, but it sets out the methodology is very nicely. Now, um, to go to some more uh, kind of recent stuff, um, I was looking at all this research and essentially finding that um, even though, certainly at the time when I um, started looking at this, uh, the emphasis was very much on saying, "Oh, um, the teachers shouldn't kind of be um, actively presenting. Everything has to be uh, pupil-led, or take constructivist approaches, etc." The research I was looking at it didn't really support that very much. I uh, kept finding that kind of these more direct instruction-like approaches appeared to have um, more positive outcomes. But that still leaves a question as to why is that really the case? What is kind of psychology behind that? And there, um, a very uh, important paper for me was uh, Kirchner, Sweller, and Clark, Why Minimal Guidance During Instruction Does Not Work, um, published in Educational Psychologist, um, because that kind of introduces some of the backgrounds around things like cognitive Load Theory. And I know at the moment, load theory is getting quite a lot of um, criticism, but I actually don't think that's Really, very justified. Um, like any piece, any educational theory, like any psychological theory, it has its limitations. But overall, this is pretty solid research. Really, really important stuff. Which is why another one I would say is worth looking at is Kirshen's paper on implications of cognitive load theory on the design of learning, which was published in Learning and Instruction. Um, one side to all this is that sometimes people interpret cognitive load theory as just saying you don't all you need to do is kind of teach a guided instruction that's of course a simplification of um, what you find and um, interestingly Kirshen himself for example has written some stuff about ways in which group work can be effective in uh, lightening cognitive load obviously only if it is shows that if a learner does have a lot of expertise then
0: Absolutely. Uh, yeah, uh, Daniel it's Simon Cox here. Um, I'm just interested in um, some of the work that you're currently doing um, at Ofsted. I know you say that, that yeah. you took on the role as uh, initially as, as head of research. Um, could you just talk us through some? Because the listeners might not be aware of some of the sort of projects you're currently involved in, some of the type of research that you're uh, undertaking in, the, in your current role at Ofsted?
2: Yeah, definitely. So. Um Uh, Research kind of has a number of strands to it you could say. Uh, One of those, the big strands is of course research that has fed into the development of the education inspection framework. Um, A number of different projects there. The first one we did was actually do a literature review on the research that um, underlies the framework so that we could inform the writing of the criteria and that's been published Um, as part of the inspection framework consultation. That was a literature review largely around kind of um, educational effectiveness research, uh, cognitive psychology, but also looking at research around behaviour, personal development, things like resilience and so on. A second really big piece of research we did in that was around the curriculum. So, Obviously the decision we've made with the inspection framework is that we need to start concentrating on what we feel lies at the heart of education, i.e. what pupils actually learn. And to do that uh, we need to put curriculum at the centre. Now when we looked at that what we found was that there was a bit of a lack of recent high quality curriculum research of a uh, sort of reasonable scale in England. So. We set out on kind of a three-stage research programme to look at that. First stage, we kind of looked at what was currently happening in schools, which wasn't a particularly um, positive picture. Um, then we, in the second phase, we went to look at a group of schools who were particularly invested in curriculum development, to see what we could learn from them. And then in the first phase, we kind of tested out um, how we could inspect a model of curriculum on that basis. So that was a really large piece of work. Also uh, related to the framework, we are looking at inspection and methodology. So um, how do we actually inspect in particular quality of education and curriculum and we're looking at things like what is the right balance between um, talking to uh, senior leaders, teachers, pupils, what is it sensible to look at um in work scrutiny uh what is it so possible to look at in um, lesson visits and we'll be publishing um, a paper on that uh, alongside the responses to the consultation so that's kind of one strand research that leads directly into the framework then we have another strand of work which is kind of looking at um, aspects that are uh, particularly important in terms of policy and practice in education so in fact track- to inform the system. Um, A recent project we did on that, for example, was on uh, knife crime in London. Um, Research was done in London, but of course some of the implications go well beyond London as this is increasingly a national problem. And um, that's an example of where we do research on something that we are not specifically inspecting. We obviously don't inspect knife crime, but where we feel we can uh, contribute informing the system that was really also quite useful we think because um, as you will probably have seen there's been a lot of um kind of media attention political attention kind of saying oh um all this knife crime that is down to schools and exclusions and schools should solve this problem and i think we were able to show some of the research we did that that was a real kind of oversimplification, that schools are not the cause of knife crime and also that if you expect that schools on their own can solve that problem, that, that is um, a highly optimistic supposition. I think that's kind of helped inform the debate in that area. Um, we have of course got a number of projects that are happening at the moment, so we are looking at um, managing challenging behaviour in schools that we will hopefully Publish that in the next couple of months. We did a study on the functions of multi-academy trusts. Um, we're doing a piece of work on school funding, um, so how do um, schools deal with funding issues. Um, we're looking at um, the move from secondary school to elective home education, so a whole number of different areas we're looking at. Alongside the research, we've also got our evaluation programme, so um, that's where we kind of look at the implementation and the impact of our own work, so our inspection frameworks. We've done a lot of work in social care, which is one of the areas we inspect, but of course, alongside our education inspection framework, we are going to do a big evaluation to see um how we're we implementing it what's the impact of it
0: and those kind of things that, that all sounds fascinating just just out of interest is it quite a big team that you're working because that sounds quite quite a lot of ongoing projects that you've got there
2: yeah the, yeah we have a lot of projects i think mm-hmm. uh, in up to your program about 20 uh, the team's about um 30 people at the moment, but of course we also work with our inspectors on a lot of our research. So lots of our projects kind of um, co-constructed
0: between us in the research team and inspectors who um, do things like uh, help us out with instrument development, but also do a lot of the school visits and things like that. So um, that, ki- that kind of makes our virtual team larger than our yeah yeah i understand that and um, just just one one more thing for me daniel um the I, i'm obviously working in the research school with with phil and so we sometimes get a um, maybe a false picture of, of, of the actual national use of evidence in education because obviously it's, it's part of our bread and butter, we do it every day um, and obviously we, we work on encouraging other schools to do that and I think as well um, engaging with Twitter and, and, and places like that, sometimes you feel like all teachers are on Twitter and actually the the that, that's not True by a long way, Twitter so could be a bit of an echo chamber sometimes, um, and, and you know that it's actually quite a small proportion of teachers that actually engage in that. Do you think that um, it, it's our role as, as educators? Do you think we need to encourage uh, all teachers to be engaging with research, or do you think it's, it's okay for some teachers to think, you know, that's not for me, I'm just going to carry on doing what I'm doing? Do you think it's school leaders' role to actually try and put things in place to help their?
2: That their teachers have to engage with evidence? Um, so, yeah, so first thing to say is I think you're absolutely right that we can get a kind of distorted picture of the state of the nation um, by kind of working research schools or going to research ed and things like that. And I think that is true of me as well. Um, should um, teachers engage with research? My um, answer is hopefully yes, it does depend what you mean by engage with, mm-hmm. what I would say is that I don't think it is in any way a reasonable expectation that all teachers kind of start doing research, if teachers want to do that and find that useful, that's great, but I don't think that should be a requirement. I also don't think it is in any way realistic to expect everybody to have a kind of the kind of deep engagement with research that you have here in the research school. Mm-hmm. Um what I would like to see, of course, is that um teachers um use kind of research informed practices and um, know about them but of course that means um how do you get to know about those things um not typically by kind of reading academic articles or something like that because that is. Um, really kind of hard to access, both in terms of the numbers of them that are out there, but also they're really expensive, they're often written in a really um, not very practitioner-friendly way. So, um, to me, there is a big role for, like, school leadership that, in the sense of school leadership, make them, not necessarily do it themselves, but put in place structures that allow teachers to kind of access high-quality, um, research Mm -hmm. findings by linking in to research research schools, by linking to chartered college, by linking to research ed, etc. So that's really where I see the role um, of teachers and leaders in that space. Mm -hmm. Leaders are hopefully trying to encourage and give teachers the space to make the connections that they need to access research in a useful way for them.
1: Fantastic. So back to me, Daniel, if that's okay. Um, in yeah. terms of the evidence and research, obviously we've got in Blackpool, I say obviously, but we've got two projects really running in terms of the research school, but we've also got this backed up with with Teacher Development Trust and sort of CPD generally. Now, what I get asked quite a lot is, what is the evidence around effective CPD and, and what did you find? I know you've got a couple of sections on that in your research summary because you just kind of summarised for listeners what you found to be the evidence behind effective CPD? Okay, so um, first to say is there is definitely
2: the evidence on CPD. There's a reasonably large amount of research on that. Um, and uh, when we looked at that, uh, what we find is a number of things that are important. Firstly, um, the most effective CPD is not kind of a one-off, but actually takes place over a longer period. and. Um, A lot of what you see is actually quite similar to what you would say about effective teaching and learning more generally. So you need to make sure that um, there is a kind of baseline in in terms of teaching people the background, the, the, uh, um, the theory to what you want people to learn and then obviously allow the opportunity for practice We find some positive um, evidence of coaching um, that can be very successful, though it is quite hard to do again um, well. We find that really key here is support of the leadership team to allow to make it happen A kind of planned and um, strategic approach to uh, professional development, not just kind of doing it kind of on an ad hoc basis, but really thinking about what are the needs of the person, what are the needs of the school, how can we plan that in, and um, make sure that it's properly sequenced and that you um, take into account the starting point of people as well. That's really quite often forgotten in CPD where you kind of get a a sort of often a one or one-off, one-size-fits-all, very generic approach. We find that uh, um, approaches uh, grounded in the subject are more effective in general than kind of going for sort of generic pedagogies in terms of what you're doing. CPD.
1: Fantastic, um, and also tied up with that. In terms of starting points, um, we were very excited by the early careers framework, and that cites yeah. some of the research that you're talking about in terms of the Ofsted framework. guys, is, is that sort of is there quite a lot of joined up thinking there in terms of those two documents and, and how you see those going together?
2: I think they actually fit together really, really well. Um, and it's not the case that we kind of necessarily coordinated that because of course we are independent from the Department of Education so we work on stuff se- separately. But I think that shows that there is a sort of growing consensus around a body of research that is high quality and that can inform what we do. And I I also um, looked at the, the framework and thought this is really great, this is really um, evidence-based and, like you said, fits in really well, I think, with um, what we looked at in terms of underpinning the inspection framework and, of course, from point of view of the uh, education system, I think it's very, very positive if, we, if things are aligning in that way.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and that's certainly the feeling that that we've had in terms of our involvement in, you know, a light touch of both of those. Definitely, that schools feel like that. Okay, uh, thank you very much, Daniel. I'm conscious of your time. We've got a couple more questions, if that's okay. Um, yeah, sure. W- one thing that, well, many things that we we, we like about um, what you've been doing is your engagement with, you know, uh, teachers in terms of research ed events, other events in and out of schools as part of the consultation. So you came to Blackpool Research Ed. You know, yes. just people that did that weren't able to make that. What kind of things were you talking about there? What kind of things do you talk about when you go out to the other research at events? And I suppose what's been the feedback on that? And has that informed any of the, the sort of future direction in terms of the consultation?
2: Okay, so uh first thing uh what did I can talk about in Blackboard, I actually I really enjoyed uh Coming to Blackburn, it was actually the first time I've ever been to Blackburn, so that was a bit experience. Um, not the last. I was <laughs> No, 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 I'm sure it won't be. That is, uh, so, um, I was looking for kind of the idea that we as an education system need to be evidence-informed in what we do, and kind of questioning a little bit the uh, well-known um, and statement from Dylan Williams, who's a fantastic researcher, uh, that everything works somewhere, but nothing works everywhere. I would say that while that is true, we know that um, some things work more often than other things, and some things work only in very specific circumstances. So I think we have a lot of evidence that we can do well in education, and I think therefore we should use that evidence, because otherwise we are selling our pupils short. Um, I also think that um, we are making really positive steps in at the moment in terms of being research informed. Obviously, the research schools and research you know, are the two kinds of really excellent examples of that. Um, obviously, uh, there's still a way to go. Um, as we talked about earlier, not everybody is kind of research engaged in um in education yet um, and we still have this like real persistence of some of the kind of worst fads and nonsense um, out there. Um, One example that I uh, have to give kind of to my despair is, um, when I joined Ofsted obviously uh, you became a civil servant and we've got this Program which is called Civil Service Fast Stream, which is where, like, really bright graduates kind of can um, do a couple of years in different departments um, of the civil servants, a view to get kind of fast tracked into a management position and we had a presentation from one of the fast streamers who worked at Ofsted, and one of the first things she said, and, um, you know, everybody has different learning styles, so (laughs) even in civil service, class stream training, they apparently learn that kind of stuff. It it won't die, will
0: it, that one,
2: Daniel? It it just won't die. It just won't, (laughs) no. Yeah, yeah, it just won't. So, that was kind of um, where I was coming from, and and I kind of talked a bit about some of the stuff we were... um, mentioned in earlier, I okay, if we are saying we want education to be evidence-informed, then that is also proof as an inspectorate as Ofsted. Uh, so I presented some of the research that we've been doing, um, some of the projects I was talking about earlier around curriculum, around observation, etc. Um, what do I talk about at other research as well? Oh, um, Obviously at the moment I get asked quite a lot to talk about the inspection framework and research that leads into that, natural I think. Um, When I was at uh, Birmingham I talked a bit about um, cultural capital and the role of curriculum in developing cultural capital, so that's another area. Um, In terms of what feedback we get, I mean, always Always, I think I think people generally find it positive that uh, we at Ofsted are getting out there and engaging. Obviously, that's by no means just me, there's very those people from Ofsted who are doing that Sean Arthur, Ed Firm, and herself. Question of whether we should look at uh, internal data of schools, that's um, obviously a bit of a controversial issue. Um, all those, whenever I get any comments from people, I do is I feed that back in when I get back to offset to people like um, Sean and the um, Education Inspection Firm Development team where I work with. Um, and. We do take those things into account. We have in our consultation uh, received a really large number of responses, um, well over 10,000. So um, we are crunching all that data, along with the verbal feedback that we've all picked up from events like researchers and others, along with the kind uh, um, submissions from people like the trade unions and the teacher unions, and we are writing our response to that soon so um, you'll be able to see uh, what our response to that
1: is but um, certainly we are taking that all uh, very seriously and we are busy making changes to handbooks etc on the basis of that feedback. Fantastic and uh, where can listeners see you next Daniel? Where will you be speaking uh, next?
2: Where will I be next? I think um, that's slightly finished for me now but I will be going to the Research at National in uh, London in September. Um, I will be um, speaking hopefully at um, a couple of conferences. between that. I'm going to the, um, to the Small Schools Conference in um, Southwest, I think it's 2.0 uh, later this year. Um I'll be um speaking at a number of uh, Teach School Alliance conferences. So there's um, there's various places where you can see me speak if you want to. Uh, next week research engagement will be Research international National in London. And I wow. yeah, we'll be presenting some research that
1: I've not yet talked about. Oh, fantastic. Well, can I just, on behalf of Simon and I, thank you very much for your time this afternoon. It's really appreciated. Everything that you're doing in terms of engagement with teachers and the work you're doing around research is hugely appreciated. You know, we've listened to you speak a few times now and we're really, really engaged by what you're saying. So so on behalf of us, thank you very much. And again, thank you for your time being on the podcast this afternoon. Thank you very much. Thank you.
2: You are listening to my dad on the podcast called Nailer's Natter.
1: Follow him on Twitter at PNA1977. Well, what a fantastic interview with Daniel and Simon Cox. And if you get the chance to hear Daniel speak, you really must take it. Uh, And it's also worth noting how incredibly generous he is with his time. And I know that colleagues at Research at Blackpool particularly appreciated him staying to listen to their presentations and discussing them with them. So I encourage everyone to read the research commentary behind the new Education Inspection Framework and share it as widely with as many colleagues as possible. Now to the shameless plug coming up soon section. So on the 6th of June, uh, there'll be a launch event for the new Education Endowment Foundation Behaviour Report. There'll be ones in the Blackpool, Blackpool Research School, but also at the Hollins for the East Lancashire Teaching School Alliance and the Blackpool Research School. So lots of interest in this. So sign up through the link on the podcast intro. On the 15th of June, uh, I will be at Research Ed Rugby and I'll be talking on escaping the hamster wheel using research and CPD to change culture in school. And I'm also going to be teaming up with Jude Hunton to look at doing a podcast takeaway from the event. So I'll listen out for that coming soon. On the 20th and 21st of June, uh, Simon Cox and I will be at the Festival of Education, also known as EdFest, talking about the work with Blackpool Research School and the Teacher Development Trust. So next week on the podcast, we have Ruth Walker, who's a physics teacher, lead practitioner, and talking about all things cognitive science. And also confirmed and excited about is Tom Sherrington, also known as Teacher Head. And he's going to be talking about his new book on Rosenshine's Principles of Instruction. So listen out for that one coming soon too. Thank you for your company this week and see you again soon.
0: Ne just talking
1: to teachers talking to teachers about academic research and evidence-based practice with continuing professional development at PNA
2: 1977
0: on Twitter Nalor just talking to teachers.